Appreciate it. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your host, Nate. The greats. I'm here. I need a better stool because this stool not um, performing as I needed to. So I am here today. I'm going to start off not on a somber note, but um, I just wanted to um, speak on just how this year has affected people. There's been a lot of deaths uh, this year, uh, and not simply this year, but um, I think a lot of people have faced death like never before. Um, and we've had a lot of killings. We've had a lot of COVID-19. You know, America's over 11 million uh, tested positive. I'm not, I'm, I have to research the number of deaths, but we're at 11 million in terms of people who contracted it, who knowingly have contracted it. Um, just a lot of grief, a lot of depression I'm noticing. Um, and I want to say, first of all, I want to shout out two of my friends, Brandy and my friend Nicole. Um, both of them lost parents. Um, both of them lost parents this, well, not this year, my friend Brandy, we lost Miss Diane last year. Um, my friend Nicole, we lost her dad uh, this year. And just sending out uh, prayers and condolences to the Bell family, the Kane family, the Scroggins family. Um, I was very close to their parents. Um, and uh, I, have reached, we, I spoke to both of them today, um, and I am not a crying person, so if I get to the point of crying, it really means something to me. Like, I, I stop in my space, and I address it, and I acknowledge it, because I don't ever want to go in a space again where I'm not able to acknowledge grief um, and and not feel that I can speak on it. Um Mr. Scroggins was a very jovial person. He's very um, upbeat, very supportive, um, just a, a, a boost of energy in the room. And um, he will be greatly missed. Um, and I uh, send my, just my love and my, my light over to Nicole in this moment because I know she's really missing her parents, specifically her dad today. And, and I, uh, losing a dad is not easy. Um, is it, it's something that losing a parent will always stay with you. It's something that no matter what your relationship with that person was, it stays with you. It's not something that you can forget or let go. Um, and I really wanted to, uh, just let Nicole know that, you know, everything that she had been given by her dad and her parents uh, is making her the strong uh, woman that she is today. And that, that doesn't always um, help in moments like this, but I'm here to say, you know, check on your strong friends, check on, just check on each other, whether you're strong or not, like just check on people and just check in 
and and just be a friend, be a family member, be a coworker. Just start checking on people the same way you feel when you're going through something. Imagine what someone else is feeling. And we've grown into a country, a world where we are so standoffish when we see someone going through something because we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to ruin our day. But um, just, just reach out. And to uh, my friend Brandy and um, her brothers and her aunts and cousins and such, Miss Diane was a very supportive figure in my spiritual life. And she had a love for the arts. Uh, she was very supportive of the arts and uh, supportive of, of Brandy and her friends that were artists. And uh, specifically, my relationship with her was very um, mother-like. You know, um, I know how it feels to be a child who has had to share their parent with so many people. So I've tried my best to just be uh, a quiet prayer or uh, encouraging word every now and again with with my friend. Uh, uh, but today I, I was... Uh, I was given that leeway to just express how I felt. And um, uh, Miss Diane's birthday was yesterday. So just sharing that love and that, that light and that spirit of Miss Diane was, was very um, cathartic, cathartic today. And I um, uh, just sending my prayers and again, my light out to Brandy and to Derek and their other brother and their grand her grandchildren and nieces and nephews and siblings, um, because it's not easy losing someone. And this year has really shown us. Uh, a friend of mine, Tanelia, posted, uh, "This is not the year to get everything you want. It is the year to realize and appreciate all the things that you already have. It's great getting new stuff and." Um, uh, accomplishing things, but I think this year was meant for us to appreciate what we have and really appreciate it. The people we have in our lives, the blessings that we've received, <clears throat> but more importantly, the people we have in our lives. And so for so long, many of us have taken advantage of that, and I no longer want to do those things. Um, and I wanted to speak a little bit I don't know. Uh, did you get that that video clip, Moni? Are you eating, Moni? You on break, Moni? No, I'm not on break, and I'm not <laughs> eating. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, I did not get no video clip. Sorry. Well, the video clip was of um, Will Smith and oh, Janet Hubert. Okay. Uh, if you give me a few moments, I can get it. Okay, so I'll just talk about it until you, you're able to play it. Uh, just let me know when you're ready. But uh, they had the 30th anniversary of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and it was an awesome conversation amongst the cast um, as they remembered James Avery uh, and and his, his connection to that work. And Wills told the story of how he got the, the job of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And it was a, just an awesome conversation. I, it made me miss being in a cast. It made me miss being on stage because that that community that you 
that you develop during a couple months of rehearsal for a piece matters so much. I'm still really good friends. Some of my best friends are people that I've met on the cast and crew of doing a show. So I can just imagine doing a show for six years, what type of bond they have. And now it being the 30th anniversary since it debuted and not realizing like, oh my goodness, sometimes time gets away from you. And I remember that show coming on and it being another breath of fresh air, like, you know, like uh, the Cosby show was to many people. Um, This was kind of, I think my generation's Cosby show in many, in many ways. Uh, And it, it really spoke to um, just the love that they've had for each other and the love and kind of honor that they have for each other. Um, And Will, um, being Will Smith, he's, I, I have to say, this man is really showing us how, do you have to chat up? You say what? Do you have to chat up? Yeah, I have it. Okay. So um, so this clip is is basically just a snippet of that 30th anniversary. Uh so uh this you can play it now. Let me turn it on here. Oh, okay, watch it. Celebration of this show and not celebrate you. Will Smith and Janet Hubert have put their differences aside. The former co-stars sat down together for the first time in 27 years during the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion special on HBO Max to discuss the actress's contentious exit from the sitcom nearly three decades ago. Hubert originally played Anne Viv for three seasons of the show. She left in 1993, citing creative differences, and was replaced by Daphne Maxwell-Reed. The casting shakeup sparked an ongoing feud between Smith and Hubert, which has continued in the public eye until now. What you didn't realize either, that I was going to do a lot at home. Mm-hmm. Right. You didn't know. Yeah. You guys didn't know. Very abusive marriage. You know, I have children. Yeah. I've been uh, divorced and have a second marriage. And I can see now the level of pain and the level of struggle that it was for you just to show up every day. And then... But you took all that away from me. Mm -hmm. With your words. Mm -hmm. You know, words can kill... Mm-hmm. I lost everything, reputation, everything, everything. And I understand you were able to move forward, but you know those words, calling a black woman difficult mm-hmm. in Hollywood is the kiss of death. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that I have blasted you to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, it is um, so, um, first of all, thank you for uh, sharing that with me. I, I didn't know that when I look back now, it's, you know, it's obvious that you were having a hard time and I felt like you hated me. The 64 year old actress later reunited with the rest of the cast and even met Reed for the first time. Will teased the moment on Instagram posting, two queens, one throne, all love. 
So that was just a, a snippet of it. Even on the reunion, they didn't show the whole conversation. But Will, uh, I think it was today, uh, he actually went on a Red Table Live uh, conversation with their with a ther- his therapist and had a more full conversation about it. I wish he would have brought Janet back and they would have had an honest conversation. I don't want just this you know, superficial one-sided. I can tell how honest he was and how open he was. And it was really, it was powerful to me uh, being somebody who had been put in a situation of being called difficult. And in this world, especially in the arts or entertainment or just the business world at at large, being called difficult, as uh, Janice Hubert said, is the kiss of death. And often you don't get work, you don't get put into things, You people stand away from you because they think you're difficult to work with. And it was her just standing her ground. So uh, watch the Red Table Talk because you get to see a lot of the conversation that you don't get to see in the 30-year reunion. But uh, I commend Will for uh, having the courage to put himself on the line that way and put himself on the on uh, display in that way. Because most people would have just let her, you know, just die off and, you know, as she had been. But I'm, I'm mad that it took him 27 years to say I'm sorry uh, and to apologize. But um, I'm, I'm going to talk more about that. Um, but probably have a probably next uh, week. When we're off on Friday, I may do a live conversation on that. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But I have a a gentleman that uh, I just met, uh, Mr. Parker. Uh, He's my guest for today. And I wanted to uh, have him on because he just was this ball of energy in the midst of this uh, pandemic when people really needed uh, that type of energy. so uh, how you doing, Mr. Parker? I'm doing good. How you doing there, brother? I'm great. Thank you for taking the time out. I know you just getting off of work and such and rushing in the house. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, but, uh, it's all good. So I'm, I'm just really getting to know uh, Mr. Parker myself. So this conversation is kind of, uh, of a more extended version of a snippet of a conversation we had uh, recently. Uh, but I, I want you to first introduce yourself, tell people who you are, um, and what is it that you do? Uh, so my name is uh, Parker, and uh, I am a Dallas native. And uh, what I do is um, I I bring life to the world, I guess. You know, I enjoy having a great time getting mm-hmm. to know people. Uh, yes, I do have a couple college degrees, but that doesn't define who I am as a person. It's just a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely am a person who tries to connect with as many people as possible and learn about as many cultures as, as possible. You know, I try not to cast any judgment. You know, I have my opinions, <laughs> <laughs> but I try not to cast any judgment because I know, you know, we're not all, none of us are perfect, you know, right. So we right. all make mistakes and we fall short. So, so, yeah. I, so uh, in terms of um, your degrees, what, what have you gotten degrees in? Uh, so I got my first degree from Prairie View A&M University, a historically okay. black college university. Uh, HBCU. In that is right. PV. <laughs> uh, so, um, and I got my degree in criminal justice. 
Um, and so after that, I got my first master's in higher education from Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my most recent master's I got in STEM education um, uh, with an emphasis in science. I apologize. I'm just trying to read the comments here. So was there a was there a kind of a, a direction you wanted to go in or was it because those seem like they are they giants on them own on their own? Yeah, here's the funny thing that you asked. You know, I had absolutely no plans to get a third a, a third degree other than a law degree. Um, and mm-hmm. so what happened is that they weren't planned. Um, I'm a non-traditional college student. I didn't go to college until I was 25, almost yep. 26. Mm-hmm. And so when I was there, I was told that as a black man, uh, I needed to make myself marketable mm-hmm. once I graduated. And so um, I decided at that point, well, I kind of want to go and get a degree in something I like, uh, which was at the time uh, colleges and universities, because, you know, a non-traditional student, I had an interest in, you know, what draws students here, what makes it successful. Mm-hmm. But this last degree, man, I, that was by default. It was nothing but God. You know what I'm saying? It's like one of those degrees where I didn't plan for it and I didn't have to pay for it. It came as a part of my job. And I just, you know, I just hopped on board because the worst I could do is learn, right? Okay. <laughs> Is it, where has it, well, just going back a little bit, going to HBCUs, that's often, that was, I don't know how they're going to change that in, in the upcoming years, but that that's definitely was my story. And I think a lot of people who go to HBCUs, I think college in general, that's, that's, that has been the mold, like make yourself profitable and, and find a career choice that's going to pay you. Um, mm-hmm. And often, I have a lot of friends who went that route and by the time they were 30, it was like, I don't want to do this no more. So they were all calling me and trying to tap back into their artistry or figure out something else. And, you know, watching that, that journey with them moving backwards and to move forward uh, was a very interesting uh, thing for me. That wasn't necessarily my story. Um, I was the one that was the starving artist friends while everybody else was, you know, traveling the world and, you know, and, and all those things. But uh, it was very important to me to follow my goals because my my high school, middle school, elementary school career was just that a career. So I saw the what people would have gone through in college and I didn't want to go through that in college. So I started off doing that. I was going to be a nurse, an RN, and then uh, a middle school teacher, then an elementary school teacher, then a special ed teacher. Then, and I tried so many different things, and I got so frustrated by the time I was a sophomore that I said, you know what, I'm not doing this. And I was taking a theater class at that time, and I had been doing acting all my life. So uh, that sophomore semester, I took a theater class and was like, this is it. I should have just did this to begin with. Why am I wasting my time and money and energy? Let me just <laughs> go forward. But um, having that those career paths at your disposal now, how are you or are you utilizing them uh, in life? I would definitely say uh, I, I am using them. Uh, I got my first degree in criminal justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, even though I don't work in criminal justice, I understand the law at its core. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really understand Texas law. And still to this day, you know, people still call me about legal advice because once you understand the law, it's, it's a tool. 
okay. it never goes away. You understand it. Um, my higher ed degree I am using now at this point. So my last two degrees are kind of working together. My STEM degree, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, okay. and then my higher education degree, they're working in concert because I'm working in higher education in STEM. Okay. So, uh, they're, they're kind of working in concert. So I, I utilize uh, them as often as possible. And uh, mm-hmm. funny story is that when I moved back to Texas from Arizona, I used my undergrad degree, although I had a uh, higher ed degree, I used my mm-hmm. criminal justice degree to become an investigator for the state. So I've used all of my degrees at this point. Yeah. Your story <laughs> is sounding very similar to Yonla Van Zet. Really? Um, because uh, she had, people don't realize she went into criminal justice. She, she was actually a um, what do you call it? Um, when they work for the state, the defense attorneys for the state, um, she did that for a number of years. So she was a lawyer. Now she's moving more into psychology and then more into, uh, holistic healing into okay. people. So you, it sounds like your story is very much so kind of overlapping because I see the work that you're doing now as more of the holistic side of it. And she said, uh, going to law school trains her brain. Mm. And prior to that, she wasn't really trained in terms of thinking and um, her logical, the logical side of her brain. She said, so it just really trained her. So the work that she's doing now has taught her how to research. It's taught her how to read individuals, how to be in a room full of people and be, you know, at the center of attention. So all of that has really trained her. And often I don't ever tell people they made a mistake doing certain things that they did not want to do, but because they can often utilize a lot of those skill sets as they move forward. And people don't know how to build those bridges. And I think that's the most important thing in determining what you want. What have you done so far? And what do you want to do? Now, let's build a bridge to getting to that space. I think um, for for those of us that are going to college, what has happened, in my opinion, uh, for so long is that, well, I've seen this because of the work I've done. A lot of, a lot of college students are going into these fields based on what their parents want them to do or something mm-hmm. they want to do their whole life. And right. I think the big misnomer, and I want everyone to know this, college does not guarantee you a job. No. It, does not, it, it was never designed to guarantee you a job. It does not guarantee you a job. What it does is that it, it makes you marketable and it gives you a set of skills that you can be the boss of these skills, if that makes sense. And now actually the class time is half of the experience that you should be getting out of college. Right. The other part of that is their interactions with people. That's why people join fraternities and sororities or membership organizations when they're on a college level. Um, and it's about your interactions and learning how to network and, and learning how to really shape and mold yourself as an adult. That, that's a big part of the college experience. So I always tell people, try it. Even if you feel like it's not for you, try it. And I know plenty of people who have who dropped out and have gotten through life based on their relationships that they have uh, cultivated during that, that time that they were there. So just try it. Um, the other side of it for me is um, I, I went to college because most of the people in my family did not go to college. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm a big history buff, so I understood the validity or the value or the struggle that 
me going to college was for people who came before me. So that was the other side. And then, you know, I chose the HBCU because I went to predominantly white uh, Catholic schools growing up. So it, it was a, a necessity that I find the hoodest, if that's not even a word, but the hoodest university I could just to give me that balance in life because I needed to know more of who I was before I became this, before I began my adulthood. So um, in, in terms of what you're doing now, um, <laughs> I met you when you were doing these lives with individuals, giving them their Zodiac uh, birthday meanings and such. How does that fit into who you are? Because that was, you telling me that now is totally different than how I initially met you. You know, that's a great question, man. Uh, how does that fit into who I am? You know, I, to be honest with you, I heard you mention that you did theater. Um, mm-hmm. I did theater, musical theater, all this stuff in high school. And what happened is that when I got into higher education and started to pursue this professionalism, mm-hmm. it was, it's been great. It's been phenomenal. I mean, degree after degree after degree after experience, after travel, after building my network. And then one day I realized, you know, man, shit. I've lost myself. What happened to the things I generally loved that did not bring joy to other people? Prospect over passion. Right. That's, that's where you were. So mm-hmm. I, I actually went and saw a therapist in last, on last year. And I was telling him some of the stuff I do for my fraternity and how I enjoy doing these things. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, that's still work. Even though you're doing it and you enjoy it, you're obligated to it. So it's not as much pleasure mm-hmm. as you choose. So that led me down this path of being more involved with my own immediate community. Right, right, right. People look like me, think like me, and act like me. And that's what took me onto this social media site where I can start doing a Zodiac. But what happened is that I have a knack to just understand people. Yeah. You know? And in this space, on the social media app, we're all here because of the pandemic. We're kind of trapped together. Right, right. And so I figured, why not give some type of direction to have people to get to know and understand and communicate with each other outside of what this app is somewhat designed for? Yeah. So it's supposed to make some genuine connections and understand people's thoughts and processes and understand, again, that we're not all the same. We don't all think the same. And that's okay. Mm. Is that is that <clears throat> and what what I initially when I'm when I was talking to you um and we went live together, it really uh I don't talk to people much uh outside of me doing this, uh, okay. because I you want to preserve something for yourself. So if you give the world everything, what do you have left for you? So I and, and me talking to you and uh, I guess you were doing my birthday uh, chart and I was I was I heard myself talking. I was like, but why did you tell this person these things? And it wasn't like super personal things. It was just stuff that I don't typically share because it's not a platform for me to share it. But um, it was just interesting because it just felt like you were in your space and not even the activity we were doing, but more so just you communicating with others is that was that has that been a part of your i mean being in theater you have to learn how to interact with people and of course being a lawyer and a teacher that's that's the job 
communicating, but did you know on this level of communication that that was what you wanted to be or do? <laughs> no. Is this computer frozen? Oh, it's computer froze. Uh, so while we're waiting for him to get back, um, just a little bit on, on the interaction, the conversation for today, just do it. Um, and often we put ourselves in spaces where we are not comfortable. And uh, we often do so for the pursuit of money or the pursuit of a platform or just likes and, and, and giggles. <laughs> uh, but uh, often you find yourself at a fork in a row where you're having to choose what you want to do versus uh, what you feel you have to do. So the nine to five versus a career. And what happens is when you find that passion for a career or a career path, you realize that there's work in that. (laughs) There's also work in that. And often you do three, four times as much work there as you would at a regular nine to five where you can just clock out. Um, But uh, my question to you was, at what point did you realize that this was something that you wanted to pursue? beyond it being just a nine to five. Um, you're talking about the Zodiac reading and... Uh, well, just the, the platform, because that was just an activity. I, I realized that was something you enjoyed, but I know that's not something you may want to do for a living. So but the it was platform, a, so the mm-hmm. platform, that, um, the platform came about, I guess it was earlier during the pandemic, so around about March or April, yeah. And so um, I was putting together a podcast, The mm-hmm. Chill Tattoo, where we could have these conversations, eat and drink, uh, you know, and discuss these issues that are happening. Right. And so uh, a frat brother of mine was like, hey, look, I really like your idea and what you're doing. I think you should take this app and give it a test mm. to see how that works out. Dude, when I tell you I did it with, it was me and two other friends, and mm-hmm. to be completely honest with you, um, it didn't work out as far as the team and the feedback that I got was, Hey, mm-hmm. I don't know you. I think you can carry a show kind of by yourself. Right. Right. Those two people weren't, weren't kind of contributing and I was okay with it. It didn't really matter to me. Cause again, just trying to network. So yeah. that's how I ended up on the platform was that someone said, Hey, I think you should go here and try your podcast platform or idea there see how it works and when i got there it wasn't necessarily the environment for that even though it was cool it Mm. wasn't necessarily the environment for that so i decided well i'm here my brain always does this hey find a solution to a problem so i'm like hey let me find something different to do and that's how i started down the zodiac path but that but that line of work will often like radio podcasting it's kind of all melvin into one big thing now um it will lead you in places where you didn't think it would take you, you know, um, uh, and, and one of the, the <clears throat> kind of the notes that I've gotten throughout this process is people want to hear from you. They, they want to hear from you. And I, I went through years uh, of trying to match myself up with other co-hosts and other configurations and partner with people. And at the end of the day, I would notice I would be back by myself. And I was like, you, you got to figure out how to do this, you know, on your own. And, and I found the most comfort in doing it 
because you. you hear your voice, you're learning something and you're growing in the field because this was something I did to run away from being a, a, a actor in the theater because I got tired of the, the auditions. I got tired of the, um, the insecure notes <laughs> that I was getting back um, in terms of me not being what they want to be or however that works. But I just got tired of the industry in terms of being an actor and being an artist. And I found radio to be uh, something that I always wanted to do. But like you said, it wasn't, it just wasn't set up in those ways where you, you, it just wasn't a part of what you were already doing. So how do I get into something that's all way over there? Um, right. But, but you figured out a way to, um, in the midst of all of this, find your way there. Um, how has, what has the kind of the feedback been, um, on the level that you're on right now? Uh, from the, I guess, my followers on the site? Mm-hmm. I would have to say, to be completely honest with you, it's been moving because I had mm-hmm. no idea that I could impact people's lives the way that I apparently do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've heard it for years, and you know, but those are people that actually kind of know me in person. Mm-hmm. So to be in a, a virtual setting and people to say, Hey man, I logged on today because I needed to receive your positive energy or your mm. positive word to get my right. day started. Like I literally one day cried. I was like, "Lord, I don't know what you have me doing here." <laughs> right. But for right. people to say that they are expecting my positive energy, like to me, that is a that's the that's the highest compliment of all is for people to say that I'm providing something that is good that they want. And it's yeah. organic, you know, it's not something that's forced. And because I just be myself, I'm just a real person. I try to be as natural as possible. But you're in your lane, though. And even within being in your lane, it's not something that you naturally wanted to do or even part of your, your bigger plan in doing this. Um, you know, it, you're in your lane. So when you're in your lane, you'll often do it for free. You'll often do it when you're tired. You'll often do it when you right. are um, uh, not feeling good yourself. You'll just find yourself doing it, you know. And I knew that this was a passion. I've been doing this on this station for years. Wow. It wasn't until I got, we had to start doing it virtually like this because we used to be in a station. So oh, okay. when we started doing it virtually, I realized this was my passion because I it was it would have been so easy for me to say, well, I'll see you when things get back to normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we had maybe like uh, a week that we were trying to keep doing it at the station. And then there was a week in between where we started doing it virtually. And that week I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> I was at home doing my teaching job. I was at home doing some other work that I was doing for other companies. And I I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? I would just go down to the station and just sit there. Like, so it's <laughs> still in the pandemic. But you realize how much you love something when you don't have it anymore or when you are forced to deal with it. And yeah. I was, I think this has forced me to do it as me. Uh, so much so that I created other podcasts throughout this, and now I help other people develop their podcasts. And I was like, where did this come from? I did This wasn't my plan, but I did everything that I could do to be able to do this that we're doing right now. 
Um, so it, it was just really interesting. Now I don't just, as my job, my job outside of hosting this is, uh, is like cultivating new shows for the station. So I find myself now not just trying to fill up the roster, but actually meeting people and cultivating the relationship and just seeing in them that passion that I had in myself. Right. So then I'm looking at people. And when I saw you, I was like, he is really in his lane because there were other people who were doing lives also on those platforms. And you could just tell they were doing it for the the little trinkets that you get from it. And it wasn't right. it wasn't as authentic. Uh, it was just a, a means to not being lonely or not being by yourself or to have conversation. But even if those are things that you would cross that way you sound you 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 came across very authentic and you just had the energy and i'll be trying to tap into that energy sometimes and i'm not that bubbly of a character but it, it you can tell when someone's passion you know many of my friends have said it i can tell that this was your passion over other things because mm -hmm. you you can be so comfortable in it mm. in terms of where you want to go with it where where do you see yourself going with uh, this kind of hosting uh, platform? Uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, uh, it wasn't until, cause I've heard multiple people say what you said, hey guy, you should do something different than just this platform. Like you should mm -hmm. go kind of national. And I was like, eh, I don't know because I, I don't know what that's gonna look like, what it's gonna be like. And again, work. Like, that's what's gonna look like, work. Wasn't something <laughs> I kind of planned to do, but I do enjoy it. Like when I have those interactions, right. initially, I'm just reading their birthday to them. Mm -hmm. So then as I'm reading, I'm learning about them. Then it, it piques my, my interest to know, well, 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 why this and why that? And have you seen these characteristics in yourself? And, you know, why do you do, why do you think you do this? And what are you working on to change yourself? Like to me, that's how I get to know people by having conversation with them. Right. And the weirdest thing is that every now and then someone would turn around and ask me all the questions that I asked them. And I'm like, because you know, this is this is payback. I'm just going to let you. <laughs> I'm going to let you know. Had my book come in the mail, you would have been on the other side of the table as well. OK, OK. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, it's something that I think I, that I would interacting with people is it's what I love doing. Now, mm -hmm. I can do that for free. Just genuine interaction, organic conversation. Mm -hmm. That's life, you know, and that's to me. That's how I grow, and that's how I learn. Right. So, it's it, and it. You can tell when you are in it that this is what I want to do because you really get into it. So I, I do want to um, go into that a little bit. But okay. today's topic is is just do it um, and figuring out. You know, should I should I jump into this or because you can do it at any level. So you're not doing anything different, especially right now, that a lot of other radio and podcasters are doing. You're not doing anything different mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of us have had to come home and build our platform now. Like I am, I know a little bit about sound and lighting, but I've had to learn it and I'm still learning it because I've had to set up my own lighting and my own sound and such, you know, like buying mics and lighting and, but no matter what level you're on, you're still doing the job and you found a way to succeed where you are. And that's, to me, that's very amazing because I couldn't, 
I, I find myself just coming and, and looking at your part, your your live, because I I do this all week long. So for me to have another platform where I'm doing that is like this 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 is your vacation. Like chill out a little bit. <laughs> but I, I like your platform. So for me, uh going back to the the moment when we first went live. That level of psychology, I know you tied into Zodiac and astrology and all that, but that level of psychology while dealing with people, what do you get out of that or what what motivates you to uh, connect with people on that level? Straight up curiosity, man. Like if I ask mm-hmm. one question and your response triggers another question, uh-huh. my brain, and I've, I've learned, and it wasn't until I got this STEM degree that I am a science person because I mm-hmm. like to know the the why behind yeah. things. I like to know how things began and how they kind of worked out. So the science behind them. Right. So, yeah, that's to be honest with you, that's what it is. I'll ask you a question and it is not my intent to ask another. Mm. You may say something throughout your response that's going to, that may intrigue me to say, well, let's explore that. Let's talk a little bit more about that because I genuinely want to know. And that, that was what I think was sparking my upfrontness that I normally keep reserved for just me because I watched you kept saying, okay, yeah, we're just going to be the last question. And then that was like 30 questions ago. Right. Right. I, I just, that's that's when I saw you really get into it. And I was, it made me want to like, okay, let me just answer this question honestly and not, you know, beat around the bush with it as I normally do, because I saw you digging more for questions and insight and perspective into the conversation. Is that something that you've always been able to do or is that something that you, you know, I'm going to attribute that to my criminal justice background, man, because I'm a fact finder. And so my criminal justice degree taught me facts stand on their own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people will, for lack of a better term, they will shovel shit, you know, to try to get over and just recently, mm-hmm. I can really tell when someone's being kind of shallow and short because I do it. I know the behavior. Yeah. And it may not be intentional. It just may be you ask me A, I'm going to give you A, not the rest of the alphabet. Mm. So it's very it's it's more about the question that you ask that I found out. Right. And so um and what happens is that I end up asking I used to ask multi-tiered questions and it would get people kind of caught up and lost. So what I had to do is kind of do smaller chunks because my brain, I want to know so much. So I have to kind of ask this question and then, and then ask this question, but I may never get to my initial third question because your responses may lead me somewhere else. Because again, when I'm getting to know people, it's energy for me. When that energy is there and we are in our zone, like when you and I were talking, we were in a zone. Like I don't read the comments that people are are typing because Mm -hmm. It's an interview with you. I'm having a conversation with you. Yeah. So, you know, no disrespect to the, those who are who are typing and commenting, but I, I'm intrigued with the person that's there that's having that. that and I'm going to tell you that that has been I've gotten that note. So you can't see him, but my engineer slash station owner is the person that's doing all the magic and making this happen. And that's his note to me all the time. Because I often don't see his notes or or questions or comments that people are asking, so I don't engage in much with the outside world. That's why this platform is difficult for me, mm-hmm. because 
you know, people are now every single person. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for joining it. So the person who's sitting beside you, you are almost sliding them. And I and I was so engaged with you because I do a lot of interviews. Even if I'm meeting somebody, it becomes an interview. And I have to sometimes say, this is just somebody you meet in in a in you know a restaurant. You don't have to ask all these questions to this person, but it becomes a part of your dialogue and your vocabulary. And then eventually your love language because you become a researcher and uh, a psychologist all at the same time. Um, are you ready for that? Mm-hmm. Or do you do that in your real life? Do your regular conversations turn into an interview? Uh, I, to be honest with you, I guess it depends on who I'm speaking with. If there's someone I know that I've mm-hmm. known for a while, Probably not, because I probably have already interviewed them or gathered all the facts I want to know. Oh, okay. Someone I'm just meeting or getting to know, mm-hmm. I ask a lot of questions. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on communication. Yes. You know? I'm big on communication. And I'm hoping that they would ask me questions as well, because I rarely ever get that. And I'm much like yourself. I'm so reserved. People don't really ask me questions. And when they do, I'm an open book. Especially yeah. there. So Yeah. But that research, criminal justice got me that research. I mean, criminal justice taught me to fact find, to check the facts. But grad school got me into researching to understand you got to, you know, check theories against theories and thoughts against thoughts. So when I'm asking people those questions before I formalize a theory or an opinion, I try to get as many, as much information, I'm sorry, as I can. And 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 it's great. I was the other show that I'm on. Uh, we were talking about dating uh, last night and I was, I said to them, I, I'm mindful of it now, more mindful of it, but it has helped me to, cause I'm a very shy person, especially around people that I don't know. Um, but it has really helped me to initiate conversations, to network better because I, I, I'm, people love being asked about themselves. Uh, and when you open that window up for them to be able to express themselves, they then get more comfortable with you. So now you have a relationship with this person that you would not have had if you waited for them to just talk about themselves or initiate a conversation. And I like to just listen, uh, but it's helping me to really get to know, but I do it on dates. Mm. Find yourself doing that on dates, becoming mm. the interrogator or the date. <laughs> I've been called that. Like, are you interrogating me? But it, it I've learned how to do it in a, a more not selfish way, where I'm, it's conversation versus, so did you sleep with such and such on this date? I right. didn't. I didn't. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> but do you find yourself doing that in other, but you said with people you know, not as much as people you're well, just getting to know. Well, it depends because if, I may know you, but there may be enough. You may be involved in a new situation that I may not know about. Mm. And so, you know how you know how your friend tried to give you like a, hey, you know, uh, me and my boyfriend broke up, and they're like, why? Oh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, well, come now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, how did we get here? Uh huh. Uh huh. And then so, that's that's kind of that rabbit hole. So yeah, yeah. It it is. I'm noticing myself doing it more now than ever before because I would just naturally like oh this room is really dry right now let me just start the questions to go in 
Um, in true. moments when I'm bored, it happens mostly when I'm bored. I'll be like, so, you know, are you in a relationship? And they were like, well, no, I'm not in a relationship. And I was like, well, do you, do they know that? So I'm crying <laughs> more into like just trying to be social and not end up getting this person. And I used to wonder why, and I've done this beyond having a show mind you, but I would do that in just regular conversations. And I would wonder why people would feel so comfortable telling me like their deepest, darkest secrets. And I'd be like, I don't want to know all that, but I'm not realizing what I'm doing to that person and how I'm setting that up for them to just, you know, when I was five year old, but I I didn't realize it. Do you realize it when you're doing it? Um, Sometimes I do. I catch myself doing it, but for the most part, no, because I'm so, it's just organic. Right. And I don't, right. Now, I, I, I go by body language too. So if I get some, hey, look, that, okay. I can be very, I can go straight in. Like, if I want to know something, I'll go straight for it. Like, it, I felt that a little bit because I think you thought I was being, um, like I was hot, not hiding something, but I wasn't answering it directly. And I could feel you like, well, if you're not going to answer it and through this door, I'm going to go through this door and I'm going to ask <laughs> I'm gonna ask you that way, but uh, what's an answer? <laughs> uh, right, right, right. Uh, and I, I, I just love that this field of this question. I used to, I watch tons of podcasts, and I'm not really interested in most of them, but I watch how people talk to their guests and talk to the camera, and you know, I, I probably watch every episode of Oprah, and I couldn't tell you what one episode was about, but mm-hmm. it was just me watching her interview and her talk to people. And then I watched a lot of Iyanla. So I'm, I love self-help inspirational speakers mm-hmm. uh, because it, it, I love helping people. Right. The hard part about that is you have to check your energy sometimes. How do you, when, when you're given all of that, because there's probably times when people get really personal with you, how do you protect your energy? Well, how do you refresh yourself after kind of receiving a lot of that? Um, well, I don't internalize their, I don't internalize what they have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, now if it's positive energy, I'll be honest with you. It probably will seep into me. Okay. But I have this natural deflector for negative energy and not taking it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I also respect the fact that, you know, I don't want to be too intrusive, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be blunt and intrusive cause I'm still going to get my, <laughs> my question answered. <laughs> I'm thinking of my question answered. Um, but you know, it's just about respecting space. You know, I'm big on respecting space. And okay. if that's your emotional space, you know, your your verbal space, I'm I'm just big on respecting space. Right. And I know again, body language is what tells me to slow down. Because if your body language, if your body language is saying, Oh, I'm an open book, I, yeah. that's what I see. But if your body language, if you just give me a little, you turn your eye a little bit, I'll be like, okay, are we good here? Did I go right. too far? And yeah. I don't know, uh, on a lot of these live streams, I never go uh, in, I never go one-on-one with people because I I do this for a living and I I don't want to take your platform from you because that's what it would turn, like, turn into. But I, I did feel comfortable just being you know, I do a lot of interviews throughout the month on other people's platforms. And I, I, I know me, I'm going to take this over. 
<laughs> because then I'm gonna start asking you questions, and I'd find myself just okay, just relax. This this be the interviewee for a moment, and that is so refreshing when you can put your trust in someone in that way. Um, so I, I really think this is something, and, and you've heard this several times. This is something that I really think you need to pursue, and 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 figuring out where you come in at. Right. You know, what do you want to do? Don't don't do things. Don't go and be a sports anchor if that's not really your passion. Um, but in, in, in terms of just your upbringing and your foundation, what what are you drawing from and, and kind of how are you the man you are today? Man, uh, I you know, the funny thing, I t- when I was talking to my therapist last year, he was like, you know, you should you're supposed to be a statistic right after I told him my entire story, just my my upbringing, you know, single uh, single parent family, mm-hmm. my parents used drugs. I grew up in a uh, low impoverished neighborhood. You know, I went through a lot, um, but I still finished high school on time. That's because, again, my family initially it's my my initial family support, which is my grandmother, who raised mm-hmm. me a good majority of my life. And uh, my grandmother, you know, when you're raised by older people they're just kind of cutthroat in some ways, you know, mm-hmm. they've already seen it. So they kind of, they kind of instill these things in you that you don't get as a child. But as you get older, you're like, Oh, this is what they meant. Oh, well, mm-hmm. this is what's going on. But I've also, along with family, I have had some really great friends along the way that would, you know, let me express myself openly, you know, right. And um, but I've always had tried to surround myself with people who are positive. Everyone's mm-hmm. not always positive, you know, and everyone's not always supportive. And I, I find that sometimes hard to believe that people can be jealous of me because I figure I don't have shit. I'm nobody. But, you know, my grandmother's like, yeah, to you, you don't have shit. And to you, you're nobody. But to someone else, it's the mm-hmm. you never know. And, and that, that's one of the reasons I don't complain, because. It's always somebody doing worse. And I don't look out for that. Yeah. But it's always somebody doing yeah. worse. And even people who are quote unquote haters, uh, they are they're just looking for something to attach themselves yeah. to. They're yeah. looking to, for a pull-up. Everybody wants somebody to save them in some way, shape, fashion, or form, uh, depending on where you are in life. Yeah. And we have to recognize that and be honest about that and really be clear with our intentions. Uh, but everybody is it, you, in the, in the years that I've been doing this, I posted something today because for the last, like maybe year or so, or maybe almost two years now, I've been getting a lot of people who asked me to help them do a podcast. These are the same people who I've asked to come on my platform and they never found the time or they'd be like, oh, I've never heard of that. Uh, could you help me do mine? Like it, it, you could tell it's not a good energy with them. But they'll still reach out to you. So when I posted that today, two of them messaged me like, like, if you didn't want to help me, that's all you had to say. Like two people who didn't even know each other, they sent similar messages. And I was like, well, that's just how I feel. I'm not helping you. But that's just personally how I feel. You know, and it's not any net because I have helped a lot of other people. But I, I, I like you, but I got it later in life. I had to really manage my circle and i'm not telling anybody who to be but i do have the right to say i want this and i don't want that and i definitely don't want this but i most surely want that you know 
Is that is that how you have always been, or was that something you had to learn as well? Man, I am 43 years old. And when I was about, because I'm an only child, when I was about, I don't know, maybe 2021, 20, I really started to tighten my circle. Mm. Uh, and it was mostly was because, you know, I was like, you know, I don't want people, I don't want to be around people. Let me take that back. What happened is that I found myself being hurt by certain things, either mm-hmm. people stealing from me or lying to me or cheating to me. And then one day I told myself, you don't have to be, or you don't have to experience this because you don't have to have these people in your circle. Mm-hmm. And we feel like I, we have to have them. Is this something I, I don't go ahead. <laughs> it just, well, I, it I, is. I, but what, <laughs> Well, what happened, I just started to cut people out of my circle that weren't, that I thought I couldn't trust. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get people in your circle that you think you can trust, and then you outgrow them. So what I learned to do was to understand that I am, and I always will say this, I'm an onion. I'm not an apple. There are many layers to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never just be one person. I'll never just be one dimensional because I, I'm just not that. And mm-hmm. so I, because of that, I have different circles of friends and networks that I try to tap into. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think keeps me somewhat grounded because I have friends I can get, you know, that are attracted to different parts of the onion or different layers of the onion. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm, that, yeah, I, that's where I am. With that. It, it, I, I, I understand that, but often we put on this persona and we don't show those sides of ourselves and we won't. And, and for me, I think it's, it, it feels like you're showing up with your representative. And, and often the conflict happens when that representative starts to, you start to outgrow them. And you, you want to, I'm being reminded of that scene in Lovecraft where the, the girl was like, she took the pill and she was breaking outside of the shell that she was in. And when we when we show who we really are, people are like, well, I don't know that person. Uh, go back to the other thing. And we like, no, well, this is who I am. And we get mad at them for not accepting us. Mm-hmm. But we didn't initially show up up, up as ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning that uh, and how I'm being very selective because I wasn't always selective. That's something I've learned now. <laughs> I'm learning that. Uh, but being very selective. And it's not that you don't like people. It's just you have to really protect your energy. You have yeah. to protect your joy and your your comfort. Because I I saw from you specifically this, this bubbly, always smiling personality. And that intrigued me because I was like, is this really who this person is? Let me find out. That was my kind of curiosity. Right. Because sometimes people are there and that's not who they really are. And and I wonder how do they keep that going and the amount of work that it takes to keep that energy so upbeat. Dude, when I tell you to me it doesn't really take as much energy because mm-hmm. I and I, I think I expressed this to someone maybe about a month or so ago. What I like about that platform is that in my everyday life, I have to be the serious business person mm-hmm. all the time. And Every now and then, my personality will peak out. And people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I love his personality. Or people either love my business <laughs> in or my party side. But I rarely have someone that likes both sides. Right, right, right. And I'm more right. business than I am party because I have so much I'm involved in. Yeah. And, so, um, and what happens is that that platform allowed me to not have to be this person that society expects. I can just be myself, which is this ball of positive positive energy, which is what I think. 
That's that's an interesting. Uh, it's a I never looked at it that way because sometimes you do like the the fact that we don't mix companies sometimes is because we have this set of friends and we have this set of friends and I work with these people and I create with so you you find yourself like not necessarily you shape-shifting and not realizing you are an onion and you have these different sides of yourself. And it's kind of hard for that party over there to understand who you are over here. And I noticed that because there was at some point I was trying to mix and mingle my friends and they just didn't get along. And I was like, what is wrong with y'all? Like, this is, it's hurting me. Like, this is crazy that I have to keep having separate birthday engagements and separate but that taught me how to navigate friendships and relationships because you want people to be not necessarily, I don't, I don't need you to be accepting of me, but I need you. If we are in a, a relationship in any level or side of that, we have to be people that are open to each other and open to the different parts of people. And sometimes we don't, we can't find people like that. It's hard to find people who can be themselves and respect the fact that you're being yourself. Because everybody is wearing a mask or wants to wear a mask. Uh, but I, agree. Um, I, I think that's what people, I think um, that's the one thing that I am. I'm consistent no matter where I am. I'm pretty much the same person no matter where you catch me. Now, I may be, mm. maybe depending on the space, I may be louder or quieter. <laughs> I may be a little bit more conservative in mm. one area, a little bit more liberal in the, another area. But the person that I am doesn't change. No but I, I can, I can now that you share with me a part, another side of yourself. I can see the organized spirit that you have, and then the crowd control energy that you have, and then you are kind of reading people as you're speaking to. Like I can see that. Now, now, all the times that I've watched you on your life, sometimes I don't even say anything. I'll just watch how you interact with people. Because anybody that I'm bringing on this platform, I just want to make sure they're not going to make me look like a fool. So, I, so I'll just go on there and just watch the communication. And it's just, I, I like people who can be that organized with their chaos. And and I just admire admire that in people that skill set because a lot of people don't have that. They either take control and they become super serious, or they become super you know silly and they don't know how to balance that and still right. do the job. Right. At hand. So um, you have a you have a very great career when you're ready to uh, cross over and 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 really do this um, for you first and foremost, but. Um, I really see a lot of that energy in you. Is there any, um, what other like talents do you have uh, that oh, man. Uh, will be surprised at? Uh, I sing, I dance, I write music. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, How do you can say, and the fact that you're saying you're the only child, I understand the crazy now, but how do you, <laughs> or, <laughs> but, uh, do you do you tap into those other elements and places? I see how you overlap some of them on this on that platform, but how do you address them, or do you just don't bother them sometimes? Twenty twenty was supposed to be the year that I was supposed to go back. You know, singing. I you know I was singing church choirs. I sing for weddings, and, and I would get that out. 
But the the, the musical theater is what I miss because ideally, mm. if I could just not do anything, if money was no object, I'd be on Broadway. If money, if there was nothing I had to worry about financially, I'd be on Broadway. I'd give my whole life to it. Just because I love that interaction with the crowd, I guess that crowd control, you know, I mm. love that human interaction. I love the response from those people that I'm engaging with. Like that's so, yeah. But this, but even with this, and I know I'm not encouraging you because this is definitely something I already see you uh, going towards, but look how many celebrities go back and get a podcast or go back and get a radio show Mm. because, or a talk show on TV, because this platform allows you to be seen by so many people. This before I started radio uh, and I did it for maybe like two years helping other people. And I've been on this platform for like seven years. Wow. Uh, and, it, and it really has, um, it, it has helped me to organize everything that I want to do. So I, I still can teach uh, on a daily basis during the morning time. And then I can still do my plays and I can still audition and I can still do events and make jewelry. So I'm, I'm able to do so many different things, but this platform has helped me to kind of organize it and, and be able to say, well, I have this amount of time to dedicate it to that, or I can do two shows a year, three shows a year and kind of space them out versus going on that rat race. That's not for everybody. Everybody right. doesn't have that, that drive to, and not, I'm not, I'm not even going to say drive. I just don't, the things that I could have done at, 27 and at 17, I'm not willing to do at 37. Um, like for me, that whole going to New York and get having 30 roommates, ah, that ain't me. That ain't that ain't what I'm you know, if I'm offered a, a great opportunity and I'm forced to go live in New York, I'm mean like, ah, maybe I'm gonna live in Jersey and commute every day. Maybe I'm not gonna live in New York. But uh I, it's just certain things that you just need right now. Like I like the comfort of being able to have lights on when I want the morning. Exactly. Put exactly. food on the table when I want to, and you know, buy something when I want it, not versus when I can afford it. But right. uh, it 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 does. It, it is a balance. So I, I I would be shocked to see you on stage. As so, what? What roles or plays have you done that you that you can kind of recall? Oh man, uh, Tambourines to Glory, The Wiz, The mm-hmm. Dilly Departed. Uh, wow. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, we did. Uh, I've done prose interpretation where I've become second state alternate. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my God, man! At that, I guess that's a southern thing. What prose? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it is. I liked it. Uh, so yeah. prose was basically where you just read literature. A short story, but you cannot memorize it. Yeah. So it's about yeah. your diction, your your voice, and mm-hmm. uh, it's about all that. You know, you're basically yeah. telling a story. And I, as you can see, I love telling stories. <laughs> but is it, uh, so is it a role that you would want to play? Like, is there like a TV series on or a movie coming out that you would want to be a part of? You know what? I don't, you know, I don't know. Because when I, when I look at some of the things that are happening on television, <clears throat> again, I kind of put down my acting hat and I'm trying to pick it back up again. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think maybe I want to be uh, still a voiceover for cartoons mm. because I get to, you know, I don't have to get all dolled up and it's really all about not my face, but my voice. 
Okay. So, and I, I think I would really enjoy that because I can have so much fun with my boys, you know, just, just the inflection and just the mood, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the changing it. What about a one-man show? I don't think I'm that talented, bro. I don't think I'm that talented. I don't. What do you mean talented? A one-man show? I, well, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, when you say I'm not that, what do you mean when you say you're not that talented? When I think of a one-man show or one-woman show, I think of someone who can sing, dance, act, tell good stories for a good solid hour. But we, but one of the secrets that we learn in theater is that there are no rules. So it can be what you imagine it to be. I think in black theater, we've kind of constructed or black acting. We constructed these walls and boundaries, but look at, uh, look outside of our culture when they create things. If and I it becomes man show my God. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot of singing with a live band. I love big bands. Okay. It, there would be some comedy. There, you know, maybe a magic trick. There would be some engagement with the audience. If I had a one-man show, mm-hmm. it would definitely be over the top, like the Blue Man Group. So would so would you if if you could play any character, um, <laughs> like or do someone's life. Who would you want to do their life? Oh, do a if I could do anyone's life, it would be Luther Vandross. Like, I, I've never thought about that, but the moment you ask that question, that's the first per- person mm. who popped in my head. Luther? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. So, with that, that stories, I know somebody who wrote a, a show on his life. So there's, you know, <laughs> with all the information that you have, you can definitely put that together. That challenge, challenge. Yes. I like challenge and support. I like a good challenge. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, that that would be somebody who I I'm waiting. I'm tired of seeing the same. I don't want to see two different Aretha Franklin stories. I, I don't want to see another story on Whitney Houston. I, but another. that's somebody who I think he had a very interesting career. Like he started his career lying about being related to Dionne Warwick. Did he really? Right. He used to tell people he was his her little brother. Wow. So that's how he once he got in, so she had already so many people had came to her and said, Hey, your little brother, such and such, while he was in college, and he ended up dropping out of college and becoming a a musician, a backup singer. And then eventually he was pushed out there to do his own by Roberta Flack. Roberta Flack fired him and forced him to go out there on his own. And that I think that took him to a TV show he was on, that first TV show he was on. Uh, it was like a children's show. Um, and then that catapulted him to writing uh, and uh, producing and becoming a, his own one-man performance. So that's... Never knew that. He has a very rich story, you know, and a very tragic ending, of course, but... Throughout that, like, can you name one song that he wrote that wasn't hot, that wasn't good? Like, and we we forget that he wrote for other artists as well. He wrote for Aretha Franklin. I just learned last week, I think, that he wrote on the Wiz soundtrack. Yeah. Yep. 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 Never never would have known that. Never would have known that. Jones did the entire album. Mm -mm, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He, uh, I think he did the score, but in terms of a lot of the songs, the lyrics that was our man. That okay. was our dude, Luther. 
Luther. He's a very talented person. So that would be, I would be interesting to see, you know, and that research you're doing, that would help you kind of do the timeline and, you right. know, the stages of who he was. And uh, the end of his life was very tragic because that stroke really sit him down and he never recovered from it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but, um, and then his whole, the whole underlying current of his sexuality and him, because we don't really, people don't really know he's from the islands. His family is from the islands. Like, hmm. That whole culture is what kept him in probably in the closet and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, had his mother died before him, he probably would have been more comfortable. But he was holding it in because of his mom. But wow. learning all those things yeah. challenged sir. We still got a month and a half left in 2020. I know, right? I know, right? Just six little weeks. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's... I just, I, I love theater. I love being a part of theater. It is definitely like life. I, I don't ever see myself. I'm going to be that old man still trying to learn lines and getting away and finding a way. Yeah. At like 90, I'm going to be, you know, that old man that just won't let go at the community theater. Like, Come I'm going to do this. <laughs> so uh, we have uh, only a couple more minutes left. Uh, my okay. last, my, um, my last question that I normally ask everybody is what advice would you give to your 17 year old self? And what question would you ask to your 100 year old self? So my 17 year old self, let's go in order. And not to change anything, but maybe soften the blow a little bit. Uh, I would, Tell my 17-year-old self probably to go to college right away. Mm. I would I would probably say, because it wasn't a big thing here for me and my family. The big thing here during when I was growing up was finish high school, get a good job. Okay. That's kind of a Dallas thing, and it was for a while. Mm. Uh, and so that's what I would tell my 17-year-old self is go ahead and go to college. Work is not everything. Right. And then my 100 year old self, what would I ask my 100 year old self? Would you do it all over again? Mm. That's an interesting answer. I've never heard that one. Would you do it all over again? Would you do it all over again? If you could change anything, what would you change? Being that 100 year old self. Oh, the 100 year old me, what would I change? Mm hmm. Mm. Hmm. Let me give myself another 50 years. <laughs> Sir, let go. Let go. Let go. Oh, I want to see it all. I want to keep learning. And that that's that's uh I always uh my great grandmother's mother lived to be 112. So I always wanted to outdo her. Like about a year or two. I, I don't want to live like another 50 years after that, but like at least like a day. Come on. 12 in a day. I think, I think, I think my, I think my Nana lived to be 105. Wow. I think, I think Nana learned, I think Nana was 103 or 105. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I know I said that was your last question, but I, I lied. Sorry. Uh, because I, I, 
kind of put that on the side. Being raised by grandparents. I, I was privileged enough to have been raised in my great-grandmother lived with my mother, moved in with my mother before I was born. So having a great-grandmother up until 15, oh, wow. I think was one of the best things that has ever happened in my life. I did. Because the level of patience that I had, like, I would have gone crazy. There meant some moments that I've gone crazy during this pandemic. But I think that type of life forces you to learn patience. Was there anything about your relationship with your grandmother that kind of shaped who you were or built that character? Well, my grandmother, my great grandmother. Oh, I guess Nana would have been my great great grandmother. Wow, she's my grand, she's my grandfather's grandmother. I just learned that from ancestry. Did you I, know her, or had you met her? Yeah, wow. I, I met Nana. Uh, I met my Nana. I remember her. I remember, I remember her a good part of her. I think I maybe was like maybe nine when she passed on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's a whole nother level yeah. of this experience. Yeah. And so, um, but um, as far as my grandmother, she and I, she's like, we're thick as thieves. Mm-hmm. She's still alive? Mm-hmm. My maternal grandmother, we're thick as thieves. Wow. Yeah. So, And a lot of young people right now, they don't, grandmothers aren't what they were, I think, to to my generation and maybe to your generation? Like, it's just not the same well, relationship. First, you, got, you got 35, 40-year-old grandmothers these days. Yeah, younger than that. And younger than that. So you got these people who haven't really lived their lives before they had to raise a child and now another child. Yeah. You know, so and I, most time grandmothers don't care. But back when we were having, our grandmothers became grandmothers. I guess they were at least in their 40s and moving on. Yeah. But yeah. there's no guarantee of that either. You can't well, young, young pregnancy is not a new phenomenon. That's by any measure, but it just it felt different. You know, it just just the the legacy and the learning and the circle village. Yeah. It just felt different um, than it does right now. But when you said that earlier on, that just stuck out to me because that that says a lot about who you are and some of the layers to your character. Uh, being raised by a grandparent or a great grandparent, and in your case, you you met your great great grandparent. Yeah. That's that's a blessing that many of us like. I I don't we don't even have family older than my great grandmother. There was nobody that because her family was very small, so it was it was nobody left beyond that. So that's amazing. Um, and I, I just I want to say thank you for um, joining the conversation. Um, I've, I'm always looking for interesting um, perspectives and conversation points. And I know we didn't really touch everything, but uh, as we, you know, grow and as I learn a little bit more, I would love to like bring you back on and oh, of course, thank you for pick your me. brain a little bit. Um, and I, I I wanted to do the the birthday ring, but my book didn't come because you was about to be. Oh, you going to do my birthday on me? I was, but my book, you know, this mail is real snail mail now. Uh, but uh, the next time, you oh, you trying to give me back? Okay, I'm with uh-huh, it. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. You go get it. You go get it. You go get it. <laughs> but I got to read the book first and learn, you know, what it is because I, uh, I had picked it up on uh, like Amazon and I was, I was like, oh, this is a real book. It's not just, it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. a real, it's a real it's process. A 
have you learned a lot about we got a couple more minutes have you learned a lot about yourself in reading that book absolutely um there are some things about myself and it's really weird because the day before my birthday was my birthday is the 22nd the 21st and the 23rd a lot of those what month january oh okay a lot of those characteristics from both those dates are i possess those characteristics wow it's so what's your scary. birthday again you said what day the 22nd of january oh and so the book also talked about how people who were born on the 22nd and the 11th of the month how they have this thing for coincidences mm-hmm. that's my grandmother and i'm i'm big on coincidences oh you know i can pick up things that are similar I can say, oh, he looks like Wesley Snipes, or hey, that looks like a car I mm-hmm, saw on mm-hmm. television. Like I can mm-hmm. make that is so really so the book has kind of creeped me out, but it's it's kind of cool though. Yeah, yeah, that that says a lot. That's my grandmother. She was always she could always see in you another relative that may have passed along. She was always that person that could connect those things. Like you are such a such brother. And you mm-hmm. are such and such uncle that we had, or the man that lived down the street. That was who she, she always was that person. Her birthday was on what day of the month? 11th of January. See? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. It's, it's, so the book just, and I know we're winding down, but the book just takes 50 people, mostly famous people who were born on your day. And mm-hmm. it like, analyzes the, the similarities. And it's just weird. Again, this is what drew me to the book was the science yeah. behind it. Well, yeah. there's, it's really weird that someone else who's born during my time that I've never known my whole life, we have similar characteristics. And one of, one of my like um, dream interviews now, and I only, like I developed that when I realized we had the same birthday as Patti LaBelle. So I, I have to, I have to interview her. I like, I, I let go of the Whitney interview and maybe the Oprah interview but I have to, I'm going to have to figure out a way to interview Perry LaBelle at some point and disclose to her. Even if I see it like, we got the same birthday, can I interview you? I, know, I, right? I have to. <laughs> because I, I see her personality as she ages start to become very transparent. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to learn that thing because uh, I know it's I see it happening in me and I just want to be able to gauge it a little bit better than I have been able to. And so who better to know than somebody else who's kind of in line with who you are. So that's my dream interview. Well, I hope I get a a bit, a part of your dream interview, at least witness it, because I love me some Patty, man. I'm going to tag you. 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 Uh, It might be just on the phone. So I'm all right with that. probably be real like, hey, can you tell me a little bit about your life? (laughs) And wherever I catch her at, that's where the interview will be at. I would I travel with my little selfie light and my little mic. I always yeah. travel with it because if I meet her, you'll be it's ready. On. It's on. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've sent her and so many messages in her DM for me. Uh <laughs> he knows you by name, she, probably. Right. Once she learned how to read them, then she go return it at some point. But uh <laughs> she ain't checked them yet because I go back every day and see if she checked them. If she, oh, she ain't checked them yet. Uh uh-uh, okay. she hasn't checked them yet. But I'm a, I'm a one day, one day, one day, one day. But uh, I appreciate you, sir. Your energy is just amazing. And I'm um, very thankful that you took the time out today. And, and let's talk more. Um, I want to learn more um, because you're coming back and you're going to get your reading. <laughs> okay. And you're going to disclose. I'm you're with gonna you. going to be an open book. I'm uh, with you. 
I'm with it. I'm with it. So this. on and so forth. But uh, can you, uh, do you, well, no, I'm not going to ask that question. But uh, once people, once you are start doing your lives and once you start promoting them, uh, let me know and I'll share them out with people. Oh, of course. Thank you so very much. Thank you so okay. very much. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you very much. This has been Nate and Paka. Thank uh, you so much, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Wu, you say Wu Perry? I see Wu Perry on that now. Uh-huh, that's Wu Perry. <laughs> Wu Perry, uh, as we move forward, next coming up is the Cocktail Social, and I'll be sliding on over there with them. And don't forget, every Monday and Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time now, uh, the Artist Exchange Radio Show is live and in your face. We won't be here next Friday, but I'll have a special guest this coming Monday. Um, also, um, look out every Tuesday. There's a new episode on the binge, binge Worthy podcast. Uh, we interview. Uh, we don't interview on that station. We just um, preview um, shows and we uh, review them and just just give the connections on culture. Uh, um, historical value and social value of many film and television shows that that's coming out. That's new. Um, not in two weeks. We have a special guest. We'll have Michelle weeks from a little shop of horror. So stay tuned in. We'll have some, we're doing a whole special on, on musicals and such. And uh, the young lady, um, I think it was Tashina Arnold, Tisha Campbell, and Michelle Weeks. They were the three mm-hmm. singers in, in Little Child of Artists. So she'll come, she's coming on in three weeks, actually. And she's going to um, guest host on that show with us. But we have, we're, we're kind of halfway through the through the season already. So we're doing 10 episodes this first season, and we're going to come back strong at the end of January and bang them out. So definitely check that out every Tuesday, new episodes coming out. And then Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., I am hosting on the We Are You radio show out of Atlanta. So come on, watch me. You have all these opportunities. And this all these opportunities to come on and check me out. And then I did a special interview with a young man this Wednesday. So if you go to the Artist Exchange page, you get to see that interview. He's a phenomenal young man. He mixes... uh, uh, spiritual health, mental health with physical health. And that's his new platform. And we had a three-hour conversation. I didn't even realize the time it went by. So check that out on the Artist Exchange Radio Show page. Um, subscribe to Be Exposed Radio, all those things. Love you. Peace out. Thank you again, sir. And uh, I'll be talking it. to you soon. All right. Thanks again. Love people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's tired.